You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, for those of you that um, don't know me, I am Emily. Um, I'm married to Matt, who's here. We've got two children, Sophia and Oscar. Um, and so we, at the moment, are in the middle, or the beginning of the middle, um, of a series called Faithfulness on the Frontline. And so we're looking at what it might look like to live faithfully and see Jesus' kingdom work, outworked on our front lines. And so um, using frontline to mean here that uh, what we do day to day, whether that's uh, paid work or bringing up a family, um, studying or volunteering, whatever your influence and wherever your influence and impact is, that's your front line. So this morning, I'm going to be focusing on living distinctly on the front line, how we are to live recognizably different Um, I'm going to be looking at what godly character is and what it means to be led by the Spirit in our places of influence. Um, Just really like allowing that space um, for the kingdom of God to be shown in you and through you. So one of the ways that we witness the gospel and show Jesus to people is by modeling godly character seen in our values, our intentions, our desires, um, and how these translate into our actions. Who we are when no one is looking is a good place to do a character check on ourselves, or who we are in the dark. Um, uh, Or if you could go on to the next slide, thank you. Um, We can all, like, appear good and polish ourselves up and look kind and generous at the right moments. Um, We know what kind of looks right, most of us, Um, but who you are when no one's going to catch you out and also who you are with those that can do nothing for you is a good indication of our character. How influenced are we to make different choices depending on who we're with? Uh, just for a slightly embarrassing example, <laughs> um, I was in the gym last week and there's signs saying that like, you'd cleaned out the equipment with uh, the wipes afterwards and so like, doing that. And, um, but the, the last time I went, there was no one there. And after I'd finished using the equipment, I just thought, hmm, I might not bother to do that. <laughs> and, and just to say that I did, but... I felt like God gave me that example for you just to... Um, <laughs> um, so our character is often what people notice about us without realising it. How we choose to live our lives, how we respond to circumstances and treat other people. And when that's observed, it's this, that the conversations might spark deeper friendships or deeper conversations And people are generally good at spotting good character. And I think even better at spotting bad, even if we can't articulate it or 
put our finger on why. We all know the people who we have to tiptoe around, who um, and are not sure which reaction we might get. And we all know those people that you could go to at any point and receive kindness. We know that those that are honest and those who have integrity. Um, and our character is different from our personality, which is like the kind of introvert, extrovert, shy, um, logical thinkers, all the things that our culture focuses a lot on today, um, which I do love as well, the tests and the models. But character is what is inside all this, the want to make good choices and the values that drive us, our integrity and our consistency. Um, a quote from Billy Graham, the greatest legacy one can pass to their children and their grandchildren is not money, but a legacy of character and faith. And when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. And when health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. So our character is important, and it is a window for people to see Jesus and the church. Um, but what is godly character, and how can we grow it? So firstly, we're going to look to Jesus, which feels like a good place to start. He is um, go to what he taught us about godly living, um, as well as what he has shown us through his life, and holy and perfect example um, and not as a standard to work hard to try and copy this. He does the transformational work in us through the Spirit. And as we look to the things that he did, as we look to his word, the Spirit will be working in us to change us. So going to look at John 4 briefly, looking at the women at the well. Um, so Jesus and his disciples were um, going from Galilee to Judea and Jesus decides um, to take the quicker route um, and more efficient route through Samaria. No self-respecting Jew would do this. The Samaritans were exiled Jews from years and years before and had married women from other tribes there, uh, which is something that God had said not to do. Um, and so they became enemies of the Jews, and so the Jews would avoid going through Samaria um, and would go the long way round, an extra 70 miles. But not Jesus. As we know, he has come to show a new and different way, and he breaks through social and racial barriers in order to do this. So he meets the woman at the well, here at Samaria and speaks right into her situation and her heart. Again, breaking social norms. This woman is a woman and a Samaritan woman. And this is double, double whammy breaking rules here. And he starts by asking her for something, a glass of water. And I find this interesting. I don't think it was a tactic, but I th he was genuinely thirsty. Um, but it would have softened her to be asked for something, for him to be in need of something from her. Um, and so he then goes on and eventually directly challenges her and asks to see her husband, knowing that she's had five before that. He knows what's going on for her, 
he knows what's going on with her and he wants her to have better in her life and even offers her the very best, which is living water, which is speaking about the Holy Spirit here. Um, And his questions are motivated by compassion and not judgment. He also puts great value on this woman by speaking to her about true worship um, and that we can actually worship anywhere when we have the spirit and we won't need the temple anymore. And he valued her enough to, to teach her that in that moment. And she, as we know, goes on to tell her village of the man who told her everything she ever did. And she was in no doubt shamed and rejected back at the village, but something quite major has changed in her and she's now brave and free to go and do that. And we see that in so many other stories with Jesus, including our own, um, that an encounter with Jesus brings this kind of freedom where shame and rejection can be laid down in one precious encounter of being known and loved by Jesus. Because he is willing to go to the places that others won't go to. He, whatever sin we're entangled with, he, he, is not afraid, he is not afraid to go there. Whatever walk of life they're from, he goes straight in and he offers new life. And we as followers also have this gift of freedom to offer those that he puts in our path. And in all the stories of Jesus where he's convicting or challenging, he knows exactly how to deal with people in a way that brings the truth to the surface. And he does it with such compassion and tenderness. He shows us how we are to speak the truth in love. He shows us how to grieve and how to suffer, not to pretend that we're okay with everything, but to faithfully trust God knows what he is doing, to submit and keep going. And then through every story where we see his perfect humility, his wisdom, generosity, and all of these attributes are rooted in love. We see this in Galatians as well, where Paul speaks to us about godly living and the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm just going to read a bit from Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, rage, selfish 
ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's quite a list. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So there is a lot in here about what it means and what it doesn't mean to live in a godly way and have godly character. So when we hear this idea of fruit, rather than imagining different fruits for each attribute, like the lemon of love (laughs) that I have artistically created here for you... But actually, the original meaning wouldn't have meant for us to separate out the fruit, but to see it as a whole. And the translation from the Greek for fruit is the natural, the natural product of a living thing. And the Holy Spirit is in us producing fruit. He's the living thing. It means that we, we can't force one particular bit to happen by will if I just act more kindly here or I just force a bit of, try harder to be more patient, this can actually produce fake fruit. And we fall into the trap of being under the law, like those mentioned in Galatians, who Paul wrote this letter to. They thought that they had to earn their salvation, what Jesus has saved us from and freed us from, And actually, it isn't by our efforts or by adding anything on. And Jesus uh, Jesus and later Paul points to this time and time again, that actually we might need to not just repent of our bad deeds, but also of the good ones too, where we've put our trust in them saving us rather than Jesus. And as I said, it is love that holds it all together. The highest form of love that there is, that's deep and profound, continues regardless of circumstances. It's unconditional and perfect. Um, And in Corinthians, it's the same, that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Godly character is rooted in love and love defines each action. And so for us to live out godly character on our front lines, we need a revelation of God's love. And we get this through the Holy Spirit. Um, out, of your glo- uh, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you by his spirit in your inner being. Um, to grasp how wide, how high is the love of Christ. And he also works inside of us to help us respond to this perfect love. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. We're changed when we believe and when we put our trust in God. Our desires and our motives are changed Another quote from C.S. Lewis. um, The Christian does not think 
that God will love us because we are good, uh, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it's bright, but becomes bright because the sun shines on it. So we want our character to shine um, with those that we spend time with. And sometimes the faithful decisions that we make each day to endure in something hard, to not join the gossip, to not give in to that temptation can feel hard and sometimes pointless even. But every time you feel like doing the wrong thing, but you choose to do the right thing, you grow in spiritual maturity, wisdom and character. And for you, um, your suffering, whether that's temptation or illness or just hard life stuff, and choosing to faithfully get back up time and time again, it may seem relentless and exhausting to you, but God sees your faithfulness. And those around you see it too. They see you not giving up even when it feels like it's a very real and tempting choice. And it does something in all of us. It encourages and forms faithfulness, faithfulness in us too. And some of what makes good character, good godly character can be seen as weak in today's eyes, like patience, self-control, gentleness, And faithfulness even might be seen as boring or restrictive. But I think that God has something better for us here to desire spiritual maturity. And the slow and steadiness of growing in goodness and love each day, which might seem small and slow to us, but is actually beautiful and quite profound. Um, and again, for those who do just feel like giving up, there's just there's no judgment on that. Being faithful with what God's given you right now is not always going to look like smiling and being at everything. Um, it can mean being sad, telling people you're sad, and taking a step back to rest and recover. Um, this is still carrying on, and it's still being faithful. And God loves to bear fruit in us and through us. He loves it. He says we are called to bear fruit. He chose us to bear fruit. So how can we help this to happen? Because although we can't grow, we can't grow it by our effort and performance, but we certainly can allow or hinder the process There's a saying that I find helpful and inspiring in how I think about my character. You can never grow beyond the limitations of your character. And for a lot of us, we might not have thought that our character would be the limiting factor to our growth or impact. We often think it's our ability or skill or perhaps just favor. So how can we put ourselves in position to allow this process to let him check your motives, desires, 
let him show you the bits that might have slipped lately or and just being open to letting him prune you and it is painful even when he seems to be cutting away good things that you thought were good really painful but it is always because he has something better for you um so yeah how can we kind of help that process how can we see more impact of God working through us in our areas of influence where we meet well our lives meet the lives of others that don't know Jesus um so just to go back onto the scripture again um so we've got so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh then the next um if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then um, on the next one, um, we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I'm thinking there's something to do with the Spirit. There's a lot there. Um, and um, the Spirit is for all of us that trust and believe in Jesus. He says it's better for me to go so that you will have the spirit and earlier in Matthew he talks about go and wait until you are clothed with power from on high speaking of the Pentecost here which we've um, talked about today and he describes the Holy Spirit here as the promise of my father and that promise is available to all that trust in him and so we can trust that he will lead us so um, we have walk by first, walk by the Spirit. Basically, this is living in the presence of God, continuing on in him, abiding in him. And this abiding can be seen in John 15, when Jesus talks about abiding in the word, abide in the future tense, it's going forwards. Um, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love and in other words, if you obey and follow. And Jesus isn't satisfied with, satisfied with someone just believing or hearing the word. He wants us to follow as well. He wants disciples. And as we follow and obey, our character is being formed to be like Jesus. And that obedience might look like saying yes when he asks us to be generous, to forgive that person, or when he nudges us to not word that email that way, or to not make that joke, or to not have that extra drink. And when you listen to the Spirit and read his word and choose to follow you are walking in discipleship and each step of obedience leads you to growing in maturity and um, led by. So we are to be led by the spirit and not the flesh. When we sow to the flesh, we reap disruption, it says, or even decay or corruption. So when we give that unhelpful thought, that extra minute, or complaining about someone at work, or choosing to join the gossip again, we can reap the consequences of that. But if we sow to the Spirit, we learn his word, 
turn to Jesus in these moments, repent when we sin, because of course there is grace there when we come back and we repent, and we obey the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Let him grow our desire to do good. And then we position ourselves towards him and his grace. And for a long time, uh, when I came back to church, I think 15, 16 years ago, I've just felt this like conviction about always comparing myself to other people and just always seeing what I was lacking by what somebody else has got. And it would cause jealousy in me and um, if I felt like someone was doing better in something. And he, over the years, has slowly freed me up to see the effect that was having on my life and how it was holding me stuck just to enjoy being who God made me and see the gifts he's given me, but also to be happy for other people in their gifts. And he has done a really big work of freedom for me in that area and I've loved watching people flourish and it's a big part of what I get to do for my job but it's still a pull and it's still that tempting or that that thought that can come in and it's a little thought that I can give time to if I choose and it will feed my self-doubt and insecurities and um, that my old sinful nature is still there and there's still an enemy and he knows my weaknesses and probably better than I do sometimes um, but yeah so um, next is keeping in step with the spirit and Paul gives us a picture of soldiers marching together in the Bible and so it's not just about our personal walk with God here it's about us the church being in step together and following the spirit's lead watching the parades and the marching with the coronation a few weeks back it's kind of hypnotizing to watch the soldiers marching together um and i was trying to find someone out of step and failed <laughs> and these soldiers <laughs> have been really disciplined and focused to achieve this and they take their cue from the one who keeps the leading step. And for us, this is the spirit. He gives the next move. And we can trust him in this. And we obey and follow and stay united and keep in step with each other as we do too. So what does this look like for us on our front line? And you might not feel like you're doing much in your work or family or community, campus, to further the kingdom of God. Uh, feeling like it's just little things but actually every time you demonstrate something of God's heart to others in any way you are glorifying him and helping to make Jesus known we take the gift of God with us wherever we go and his spirit in us leading us and I think it might be like the wrong idea to think that to be fruitful, you have to be preaching the gospel in every given moment or inviting colleagues to church in every conversation, which is amazing and brave if that's what God's put on your heart to do. But I imagine for a lot of us, your kingdom work on your front line won't always look this way. And I think that's okay. I want to give value to the good that you are doing. 
People will be watching the way you treated the cleaner, paid the invoices on time, told the truth about a mistake, or offered to pray for someone's child, or seeing what you do on your days off and how you rest. The Holy Spirit can stir the heart of someone that doesn't believe when it's moved by something kind you said to them. It's the spirit that awakens hearts and the same spirit that prompts us to act. This is what God does and we get to be a part of that. Um, Just quickly just want to finish with an example from Jeff and Jean. Um, members of our church who support their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in different practical ways. Um, And they just said, we have been first responders for Can You Just Text, Bike Puncher, Missed Bus, Help With Homework, and um, uh, doing lifts. And we are well known to the teenage mates. Uh, We're able to make small positive contribution in different lives. I'm the granddad with the peace sign. (laughs) It's during these many everyday interactions that we are able to take the opportunity to plant the good news more directly. And this is an example of a prayer that they sent as well. This is where we enter into something outside of ourselves and God opens the door to do so much more through a lift, a fixed bike wheel, and then a chance to pray and give encouragement. And Jeff and Jean have felt that this is what God has given them grace and energy for, that it's not always been easy. Um, They are bearing fruit in the way that they serve and love their family in this way. And so just to finish, just got a couple of questions to think about and then I'll pray. What might God be doing in you and your character? And who might he be asking you to reach out to in some way this week? Great. I'll just pray for us and then I'll finish. Thank you, God, that you have set us apart as your people and chosen each of us to bear fruit in the places you have planted us. I pray for a revelation of God's love for every person here. That they would know that they are loved and that this love is what transforms us, changes us to be more like you. Free us, God, from trying to look good, to appear like we're doing, like we're mature. And I just pray that you would actually make us mature. Make us wise men, women and God. And help us, God, to take this gift of freedom out to our families, our workplaces and communities and make you known. Thank you, God. Amen.